Welcome to Highlawn Baptist Church in St. Albans, West Virginia, where our mission is to know Christ and to make Christ known. For more information, visit us online at highlawnbaptistchurch.org. We're so glad you've decided to join us, and now we invite you to grab your Bible, if you're able, as we pray that you will be blessed by the preaching of the truth of God's Word today. This is something that we do only once every so often. I find it appropriate to do it at the beginning of the year because at this time, number one, we renew ourselves to each other as a church together by remembering how we fit into the body of Christ. It is no coincidence that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has enabled you to be part of this congregation. If you're a member of the church, that means that you've been identified by this church as someone who is a regenerate Christian, as someone who has been living out the principles of the Christian faith, and as someone whose love has been demonstrated not only to God, but to your fellow man and to this church as a whole. Without that kind of discipleship, without that kind of discipleship, we cannot be a church. Now hear me. What does Christ do when He first commissions the church? Right before He leaves this world, He gives His disciples a set of instructions to make disciples. See, everybody in the church is a disciple. Some of us are elder disciples in the faith. We've been around that for a while. We've gained some knowledge. And it's now our job to teach others that are younger in the faith as we are. But the goal is always serving together, always working together, always teaching, always proclaiming. Never letting up on the goals of ministering to the poor, the needy, ministering to the suffering, ministering to those who are hopeless, ministering to those who need a special touch of the Master's hand, just to know that we are loved by God. Just to know that there is something beyond what this society wants to offer us. Just to know that Jesus is Lord and that that Lord loves us more often than not in spite of ourselves. The church is not merely a gathering of people together or a club or an organization. The church is the continuation of Christ's ministry on earth. The Holy Spirit of God is still at work on this planet, even though Christ Himself bodily is right now at the right-hand side of God the Father. The Holy Spirit of God is still doing the work of ministry, and He has chosen to do it through us. The church itself, no matter what local church you belong to, has four basic missions, four basic ministries that it has to perform in order to be a church. We have to minister, it is our function to minister to God through worship, through the raising of, the, of hymns, through the singing of spiritual songs, through gathering together and give God the praise, honor, and glory that He deserves, but also to minister to one another through discipleship and fellowship. Fellowship, being able to get together occasionally, to share a meal together, to the breaking of bread together, and having a good time together, that's a component of discipleship, forming the family but also learning, engaging in the Word of God and making it part of us so that we don't just hear it, but we live it what? 
We live it out. Our ministry to the world through missions, and I don't just mean sending forth missionaries. I mean, are there hungry within our community? Are there homeless within our community? Are there those that are in the state of, of emotional distress in our community? Those are the people that we are charged with meeting out the same way that Christ did. When he healed the blind, when he healed the leper, when he gave hope back to Mary and Martha, when Lazarus died, all of that responsibility has now been granted to us, the body of Christ. That's the work of missions, our support of the suffering. And of course, our ministry to the lost through evangelism, sharing that which we have come to know about the truths of God. In other words, our mission is to know Christ and make Christ known. You can talk during a service, it's legal. I got a smile out of some of you, that's, I'll just keep going. So the church is in a nutshell, a covenantal family. Not just an organization, not just a club, not just a, a, a group that gets together on occasion, but a family under the authority of Christ, made up of the redeemed, the regenerate, the spiritually empowered, who are charged with mutual discipleship, fellowship, and the spiritual growth of one another for the sake of each other and for the sake of reaching others. Now, what do I mean by that? Do you realize that your spiritual growth isn't just about you? Your ability to love God, your ability to love your neighbors as yourself, and your ability to love each other just as Christ loved us is not just about you. It's about the blessing that only you can bring to your brothers and sisters around you. And once we put that love on display, it also hearkens others to join in the community of faith, and which we're going to see in just a second. For they, are, they will know you are my disciples if you... Love one another. That's a promise of God that there are people watching you. There are people watching you engaging the quality of the love that you demonstrate to God, to your neighbor, to one another. And what folds them into the sheepfold of God is not how well you can argue the Scriptures, so to speak, nearly as much as it is what we are capable of doing to soften their hearts by loving them. So how you mature in the faith doesn't merely impact you, it impacts those around you, including and especially the lost. So as we come together to remember the purpose of the church, as well as the covenantal promises that we share with one another, that we will rededicate ourselves to the act of communion, Let's remember what a covenant is. It's an agreement that's established by vows and sacrifice. And of all the religions of the earth, we are the only one where God made a sacrifice for us instead of the other way around. In return, we offer faithful service to Him in exchange for His provision and protection. We offer Him our obedience and service. Regretfully, this can be broken through rebellion. But as God Himself promises, whenever we sin, the Word of God tells us that if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of what? All unrighteousness. So a covenant is, is potentially broken through rebellion, but it is restored and sustained through grace. In our case, thankfully, the grace of God. 
The writer of Hebrews puts it this way, for by one sacrifice, He, meaning God, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That you are in a process of sanctification where we are not perfect right now, but we serve a God who is. And because of His own perfection, we are slowly, moment by moment, day by day, being sculpted into His image. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, He says, this is the covenant I will make with them hereafter at that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws where? In their hearts. It's not about laws written on stone. It's not about a checklist of do's and don'ts. It is about adjusting your own personal behavior, your very nature as a living being, to conform to the image of Christ. That's the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant of the Old Testament, while it's important for us to understand so that we understand the ethics of that law, has been transformed so that as a Christian, instead of having to live by the checkboxes of the old, we are now freed from that because our very nature has been transformed because His law is no longer just something that we have to study and gain a a working, functional, educational knowledge of, but that we live out. I will put my law in their hearts. I will write them in their minds. This is the new provision of God. He sacrificed for us. He gave us the opportunity to come to Him by faith and faith alone. And He indwells us with the Holy Spirit of God, which changes the very person that we are, so that when this world sees us, they see a person who is different. A person who is carried by the peace of God, by the joy of God, by the confidence that all things work together for His glory and for our good, the good of those who are called according to His good purpose. So this new covenant is identified by the fact that God provided one perfect sacrifice offered for all of us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten that whosoever believeth in should not perish but have everlasting life. The gift of God. It is accepted by faith, not works. We are subject to Christ's Lordship He is not merely our Savior. Some are in the habit of thinking, but He is also our Lord. And once we come into salvation, once we come into that committed relationship with Him, we become a part of His bride, His body, which is the church. Now, there is a commandment in Scripture, much maligned here in recent days, but there is a commandment in Scripture to this point. For in the book of Hebrews, we are instructed not to give up the gathering, excuse me, James, where we are instructed by the brother of Christ not to give up the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. They couldn't even do that in the first century. But all the more so as you see the day approaching. Meaning the closer we get to Christ's return, the more frequently we should be together in fellowship, in study, in discipline, in missions work. The more that we advance towards seeing the kingdom fulfilled, the more we should be together as a family of God. And lastly, we're also charged by His great commission, which He gives to us in the last part of Matthew 28, for all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Christ, who is God in human form, 
This is what He charges us with. This is our responsibility in that covenant. Go and make disciples. Not board of directors. Not secretaries and musicians. Not pastors and preachers. Go and make disciples. That's all of us. The priesthood of all believers. Go and make disciples of all nations, all peoples everywhere, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to what? Obey! Christ is not our buddy. He is our older brother in the faith, that is true, but He is also our Lord. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And some of your translations, the very end of the world, which means that when the church is finally called up, Christ is assuring us that one, even though that we cannot see Him or touch Him or hear audibly His voice right now, He is nevertheless here through the power of the Holy Spirit. He has not left our side and never will. Secondly, that when we do finally see Him face to face, all of that will be realized. There is no segment of your life, as we just sang about, where Christ is not walking with you side by side. I'm reminded of that story where the grandfather was taking his grandson under his wing because his dad was no longer in the picture. And his grandson, after coming back with him from Sunday school, as they're sitting beneath the stars, he, his grandson looks over at him and he says, is it really true that God sees me all the time? And his grandfather looks at him with loving eyes and says, son, God loves you so much He can't keep His eyes off you. It's the way He is with all of us. Your God loves you with an extravagant love. Anyway, grace does not countermand God's righteousness. We serve a God, thankfully, that delights in the making and keeping of promises to His children, and He expects that of us as well. The difference being is that 2,000 years ago, on a Roman cross, the price for every sin, every debt that we had accrued on our ledger, all of the red on our account was canceled out in one act of selfless love. And he proclaims from the cross the word tetelestai in Greek, which means paid in full. Every sin, every act of rebellion, Every regret canceled out in one act of love. Now, Paul would ask the rhetorical question, should we sin all the more so that grace may abound? God forbid. But He gives us this new nature in His act of forgiveness that enables us to be in His image, to act more like Him, to have the law in our hearts. Sin is still unacceptable, but the sacrifice of Christ covered its sin. And He also restored us to a new nature through the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. So that we might live out the three great commandments. Two in the Old Testament, one in the New. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. You shall love your neighbor as yourself and love one another 
as I have loved you. The same self-sacrificing passion that was harbored in the heart of our Lord is what He expects us to put on display to each other. They will know you are my disciples if you have this kind of love for one another. So as we come together at the Lord's table, we come together to remember the gospel of Christ. That's where our scripture reading for this morning will come in. To remember His sacrifice for us in the shedding of His blood to enable us to have to partake in this new covenant. To reflect on the spiritual growth that we've experienced. Love God, share His word, love others, spread the gospel. How are we doing on that continuum? Are we only showing up for the worship service and the worship service alone? Are we coming to the worship service, participating in it, and then also participating in some of the discipleship ministry so that we're growing in grace and knowledge at the same time? So love God, share His word, love others. Are we participating also? Are we taking that knowledge and putting it to use by developing a testimony in our missions work, in our snack bags, in our contributions to Christ's kitchen, in the various other things that we do to feed the hungry, to take care of the homeless, our participation in the convention and its charitable outreach, as well as the St. Albans Ministry Alliance, and the stuff that we do actively for them, the Christmas baskets. Feeding the hungry is something that we do very well. The question is, as a disciple of Christ, that is not something that is an option. It's something that we are charged with doing, and it's the hallmark of a maturing Christian is being engaged. And lastly, going through the process, the maturing disciple, love God, share His Word, love others, spread the gospel. Have we grown more comfortable with being able to share with somebody our testimony? What was I like before Christ? Who has Christ turned me into for the sake of His glory and through His shed blood on Calvary? And are we willing to help someone else who is in conviction to meet that love? Ultimately, that's where a Christian becomes fully mature. Well, where a Christian becomes advanced, we don't really become fully mature until Christ calls us home. Love God, share His Word. That's grade one, grade two. Love others, spread the gospel. The more we develop the more reflexive each level becomes. So we remember the gospel of Christ and what it cost Him. We reflect on the spiritual growth that we've had through the last... In our case, we take communion once a month. Are we stagnant? Have we been in the second grade for 14 years? Or have we grown? where we repent of our closeted sins and unconfessed sins, where we go before God and God alone. You don't have to come down to my office and explain to me everything wrong you've done every week. But we bow our hearts in prayer and we repent, we let go, we turn away from the things that would cause us to put a strain on our relationship with God. And finally, we rededicate ourselves to His purpose. And this is the base text for the Scripture. And I, I will end this sermon by going through this with you. 
So if you would, take out your copy of God's Word and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Once you find your place, would you say amen? Paul is writing to a worst-case scenario church. The first letter to Corinthians is Paul's mean letter to them because this was a church that was prosperous in that it had a lot of members and it had a lot of money. But it wasn't an effective church. And he calls communion out as one of the reasons that they are not an effective church. And he writes to this congregation, In the following directives I have no praise for you. Your meetings actually do more harm than good. I've underlined these passages for you if you'd like to keep those notes in your own copy of God's Word. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And by divisions, he means factionalization. He means political parties, if you will, forming in the church. People who crystallize together, who meet secretly away from their pastors, from their deacons, from their uh, elders in the faith from their fellows for the purpose of basically forming small churches within the church and destabilizing it. To some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to so which of you have God's approval. In other words, there's a difference between a disagreement and becoming a faction. We can have basic disagreements where we take a look at what God wants us to do, but we can do that and resolve it peacefully. Here, this church has gone to full-blown pre-church split because people are not sitting with other people, people are not coming to the same activities, people are meeting in their homes behind of other people's backs. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. In other words, you have to be in fellowship with each other to experience communion together. Otherwise, it's not really communion. And something else I need to note really quickly, that whenever they met for the Lord's Supper in the first century, they'd come together in, in their homes or in large banquet rooms, and basically this church would get together and have a giant meal together. They used to call them love feasts because the purpose of them was to come together in fellowship, to eat a giant potluck, and as Baptists, we can certainly sympathize with that. And at the very end of that meal, they would rededicate themselves to Christ through the breaking of bread and communion. So Paul is talking about both the fellowship meal and the ceremony at the end. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. And as a result, one person remains hungry and another person gets drunk. So the rich of the church are getting there early. They're still practicing the old Roman tradition of gorging oneself until you're almost sick. They're coming together, and in this almost paganistic fashion, the ones who are the upper class, if you will, which there shouldn't be classes in a church, but they get there, they load up their plates, they eat, they separate themselves by class, the rich people over here, the poor people over here, and when the poor people finally get their chance to come in, the widows, the orphans, the shut-ins, and so forth, when they finally get their chance to have a bit of the meal, it's the, the people who are 
factionalizing, who have already eaten everything up. So the people who desperately need it, for whom that is the only meal they're going to have that week, have nothing left. When you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. You take, you meet away, you don't engage with the church, and as a result, one person remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. Again, this is a worst-case scenario church. Well, an almost worst-case scenario, an inch away. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. This is where he describes what the act of communion, what the covenant meal actually is. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So this piece of matzah, this piece of unleavened bread that used to represent the meat of that first Passover lamb that was sacrificed to establish God's people Israel and break the chains of slavery in Egypt, that now represents Christ is saying, my body, I am going to be that new sacrifice. I am going to give myself for you, but it's not going to shed you from the slavery of a, of a government. It's going to separate you from a slavery to sin so that you may be the people of God. Not only that, but the blood that is about to spill is going to buy your way into a new agreement, a new covenant, a new relationship. A relationship not made out of animal sacrifices, but made out of love and grace. For I'm giving it all for you. The Jews of this congregation would understand that. and Hopefully they would be convicted by these words. In the same way, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you do do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You remember Jesus' sacrifice until He comes again. So then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, whoever uses this as an excuse to sow disfellowship, to sow division, to break away from the covenant instead of reinforcing it, will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment upon themselves. That's why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep, and by asleep, he's being euphemistic for dead. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not fully be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat what? Together. Be one body of Christ. Be the family of God. 
if there's somebody that has an argument with you, before you take up, and we as Baptists used to preach this a lot, before you take that cup or that bread, you go to that person that you have an issue with and you work it out peacefully. You don't detract. You don't form a church within a church. You be direct with the person that supposedly has wronged you or that you yourself might have wronged. You apologize. You work yourself through it and you get moving. Folks, we have work to do. Before we can love our community, before we can love the lost, before we can truly love God, we have to discipline ourselves to find that same self-sacrificing love, that same agape love that Christ had, and love everyone who is made in His image to recommit ourselves to the mission that we have picked up through the covenant that makes us a church. To be one another's brothers and sisters. To do the work of worship. To do the work of discipleship. To get into the Word of God and to live it out. To love one another in our fellowship together to love our neighbors, no matter how downtrodden they may be. To love the lost enough to give them the message of salvation before it is everlastingly too late. That is our job. Know Christ and make Christ known. And all God's people said, Thank you for joining us at High Lawn Baptist Church. We pray that you were blessed by today's message. At High Lawn, we believe that when you love God, you share His Word. When you love others, you spread the gospel. We would love for you to join us next time, and if possible, to join us in person. To contact or learn more about us, to donate to our ongoing ministry, or most importantly, to learn about the salvation offered to you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, visit us at highlawnbaptistchurch.org. Once again, thank you, and God bless you.